It's always hard to know how to start. But I'm deeply moved this morning. I'm actually pretty excited to be here. <laughs> uh, but for more reasons than just one. Um, it's as great as it is being here at Wheaton Bible Church. I uh, guess, guess what today is? It's my birthday. Thank you, Dwayne. <laughs> so if you want to have a party, if you want to have a party on your birthday, just hang out with about 3,000 people. <laughs> but you guys are family. Like, you're majorly family. Like, you guys are so family that... By the way, I, should, I want to introduce my wife. Um, she's the most intimate part of my family. I'm so grateful that Miriam is here. Um, and uh, she's... <clears throat> I'm, I'm madly in love with this woman, more so than I was when I first uh, married. And I pray for my kids that they will have the same experience. I tell them, I said, man, if, if, if you think you love now, just I pray that you will have this kind of marriage. Miriam has been not only a loving wife and very supportive and fantastic companion mate in ministry, but she's been the mother of five children. Um, and those children have given us the joy of five grandchildren. Uh, so I just want to thank the Lord for my wife. And uh, thank you, though, for being the extension of our family. You have, you have raised those kids You've put food on the table. You've put gas in our car. You've enabled us to buy clothing for our kids. You've helped us educate our children. Like, you guys, I don't know what to say, but it's such an honor to be part. And you know, it's, we, it, we're not here as missionaries to be congratulated. We are here as missionaries to see who it is that's doing the work, to see who it is that we're representing, to see who it is that God is using to pour his blessing to the nations. And so it's just a tremendous honor to be here with you this morning. And I just, if there was any way that uh, this morning, my time here before you would be uh, to serve as an encouragement to you, uh, that God is using you in a mighty and wonderful way. The reality is, is that <clears throat> um, the world that we live in is, is going crazy. Um, we have the rise of China, accelerated climate changes. Some of the trends that are developing are, you know, we're accustomed to democracy, but it seems that autocracies are rising. We've had a pandemic, but endemics will ultimately affect people, the poor people, more adversely. We have inflation and, and stagnation and in Europe where our eyes are on Brexit, seeing what the impact of that will be on the rest of Europe. The future of work challenges us. The rise of technology and controls, even China reacting to, its, to the growth of its tech giants. Crypto is rising, uh, a rising disruptive technology, impacting the way we move and handle money. Climate woes, fire, heat waves, floods, travel uncertainties, and then there's a space race. It seems like everybody wants to send a projectile out into space, and more recently, NASA seems to be celebrating having hit an asteroid because we didn't have enough threats. Now we have the potential of asteroids hitting the planet. 
politics, even in sports. We have the Winter Olympics in China, the Qatar World Cup uh, soccer, and uh, we're all kind of begging the question to see how the world will react to the human rights concerns and boycotting. It's an interesting world, isn't it? Any of you discouraged or concerned? I want to tell you that this is the best time to be alive. We in Bible Church, this is our day of opportunity. This is our day to impact the world like never before. I want to just encourage you with some of the stuff you've been doing. Man, I was just preparing for today and I was wondering, we in Bible Church doesn't even need missionaries. You guys are doing so much to bless humanity. 93 years, 540 missionaries that have been sent. 94 missionaries in 52 countries. Europe, Middle East, and other parts of the world. Asia, GO teams, sending your own to many places. Thank you, GO teams that have come to Greece and, and helped us. And then there's the local ministry you guys are doing, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, the largest social initiative in DuPage County is being run by Wheaton Bible Church in a population of a million people. They will see our good works and glorify the Father. Amen? So we've got to be everywhere where there is need and suffering. I can't believe there's five or is it six languages that are worshiping together today in, in their own uh, languages, Arabic, Khmer, Spanish, French, Congolese, and even English. Bill, I don't know where you are, but may the Lord bless you for pastoring not only and shepherding not only missionaries abroad, but these wonderful opportunities even here. This is another amazing statistic of Wheaton Bible Church. If you guys were the board or the shareholders, this, would, this should make you rejoice. 30 cents of every dollar takes the gospel outside of these walls. 30 cents of every dollar takes the gospel outside of these walls. Is that amazing or what? Like, do you know many churches that do that? <clears throat> You've been so instrumental in blessing the nations. I want to encourage you today that these are not days that we should be living in fear, but we should be living in faith. These aren't days of desperation, but of dignity. These are days not of despair, but of destiny. This is an amazing place to be a part of, Wheaton Bible Church. Um, I, just, I just like to think of, in terms of, you know, when Jesus is speaking about the unity of the body, imagine that each of us comes alone, but when we're part of this body, we have 6,000 hands. We have 6,000 feet. We have 6,000 eyes. When one is hurting, there's 3,000 people. When 3,000 people rejoice, we each rejoice individually. Is this amazing or what? The power of transforming the world for Jesus with his love. I just want to thank you so much, Wheaton Bible. Just take my turn. Last year, as a result of the offering, a gift of $22,000 came to help our team 
that's working among the Roma Gypsy people. It's absolutely incredible. This is the poorest part of our five million people city. The police don't even go enter into that place. How I wish you could all come and walk the streets where the sewer is running and where children have never held a pencil before. And today, as a result of your gifts and love, people are employed, uh, skills training, and uh, opportunities for, for people to find their dignity. Over 100 children who have never held a pencil in their life are now today in the public school system, overcoming the racist tensions in our culture and giving a hope, transforming this community. <clears throat> this is one example of what you're doing all over the world. This today, the missions conference is not about seeing the missionaries. I want to say it again. It's about you seeing what you're doing collectively because of your love for Jesus. And every day that we serve, I tell our staff, we are simply representing the great commission that God has given the church, and we get to be on the front lines where this love is being expressed. There are no heroes. We're one team, and it's the most magnificent tribe in the world to be a part of in days of such uncertainty. I just want to share another exciting story that you guys have been a part of. In 1982, a young boy by the name of Costa knocked on our office door. He went in and spent 15 minutes with my dad, and my dad gave him a Bible and told him to go home and honor his mom and dad and pray. His mother, just totally livid that her son had anything to do with a Protestant heretic, uh, took the case to court, and my father, uh, many of you are aware of the story, but my father received a three and a half year prison sentence. We fought it for three and a half years and finally was acquitted at the, at the um, higher courts, at the appeal courts. Since then, we've done a lot of evangelism, and one thing was certain every summer was that we would get beat up, arrested, taken in, and personally, I've been uh, strangled, kicked, beat up, spit on. My brother spent time behind bars. I've been in and out of the court case, a uh, courtroom. Uh, it's comfortable anymore. <laughs> but at some point, we just got tired of getting chased and treated like we were nothing. And then we got a vision. We said, what if, what if we just take this country by storm, like a wildfire, and touch every single home in the country? What if we start from one end of the country and just move through the entire country and bring God's word to every single home? And then we'll show who loves more. And so, by God's grace, I'm here today to report that from one Bible that was received in 1982, in the last 15 years, we've distributed 1,355,000 hardbound New Testaments. <clears throat> to over, over 6,500 villages, door to door. Is that amazing or what? <clears throat> If we can roll those slides, um, you know, it's kind of fun to just show the slides here, but I'm telling you, man, we have, it has, been, it has been hard work. But it's just one week every summer, and we're inviting you to join if you want to come as a family. But 
Over the years, 2012, 2013, 125,000, and the numbers every summer, we just kept trusting the Lord uh, for provision and for Bibles and for people. And we're finally at a point now where we have reached almost the end of our challenge. And this next summer, we can finish if we get 500 people and close to half a million dollars. And so we leave that challenge with you. Um, I'm just going to share a real quick story um, uh, concerning how we started. Like I said, it's wonderful to see the slides flip through in 30 seconds. But if we go back 17 years, our first Bible order was 50,000 Bibles, uh, in weighing in about 30 tons, and it was during the Olympic Games. And the, the cost for the Bibles was more than our annual turnover for our entire ministry. And uh, I started asking our staff to put the word out that we need to raise money. And I came home one day and Miriam said, what are we gonna, how, how, how much are we going to give in the faith pledge? And I said, sweetheart, you know, whatever we can. You know, sometimes there's food in the fridge, sometimes there isn't. We're missionaries, we, you know, but we'll give whatever we can, sacrificially, by faith. And she goes, no, about that $10,000. Her family had sold some land in North Dakota, and that was our only seed money to buy a house. I'm like, sweetheart, forget about it. I mean, there's limits to what we give. And she goes, no, how can we ask others to give if we haven't given what we have? And so after quite some time, I went to the bank, took the money, and deposited it as a down payment for the Bibles. As hard as it was then, I look back now and I say, okay, there was one door that said $10,000, down payment for a house, the bank owns it for your lifetime, and when, when you're done paying it, it'll be yours. There's another door where you can walk through and you give 10000 and the Lord multiplies it and multiplies it and multiplies it, and today it's over $3 million that has come in to be able to deliver the Bible to 1.35 million homes. 1.35 million homes with God's word, a small apartment in downtown Athens. The kingdom! <laughs> the passage today I have taught is, is is taken from John chapter 16, verse 33. And it reads like this. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In a desire to understand this text, I began backing up and I realized that this, this text came out of the context of in a culture where relationships were really big. In fact, this was a really special time of the year. It was Passover. The disciples were in the upper room. They, 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 were, they were eating together. It's what we like to do in our part of the world. Um, it had been three and a half years with Jesus. It was an exciting time. And John begins to focus his attention on what John does best. He was the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He, he had a very sensitive heart, I think, to the passion and to the heart of, of his teacher, and he highlights some interesting things that flow through this chapter, like, like, a, like a song, like, like a crescendo, like a, a thread woven through a piece of fabric. And I just want to walk through the next few chapters, starting with chapter 13, 
When Jesus says, I have told you these things, the question is, what are these things that he had told the disciples in that 24-hour time frame? When Jesus speaks, things happen. It's definitive. He was the logos, the, con, the one and the Dani language for the su supernatural power. He spoke and he acted, and now he's telling us, I have told you these things. What was, what had Jesus told them? Number, uh, chapter 13, he had to announce that he would be leaving. He washes the feet of the disciples. He takes on the garments of a servant. He puts a towel around his arm. He stoops down. Peter says, no, thank you. My feet smell. And Jesus is there to serve him and to show what love looks like. Judas rises and leaves. He can't handle the love. Peter denies or says that he's going to be there, and Jesus tells him that he'll, he'll be denying him. Jesus had to break the news that he was leaving. My children, I will be with you no longer, verse 33 of chapter 13. Where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, love one another, even as I have loved you. You must love one another. Chapter 14, a future and a hope. Thus, this love attachment to the disciples moves on, and he says that in my father's home, in my father's house are many Many rooms where I'm going to prepare a place for you to come back and to take you. Yes, I'm leaving, but I'm going to come back so you can, we can be together. And the disciples instantly knew what this meant. This was a form of intimacy. As in Jewish culture, the, the, the guy would go to his father's house, build something, an add-on, and when it was ready, he'd come back and get his bride. So there's another picture of intimacy, of love. Um, then he comforts him with the, the, with the promise that he's going to send the Holy Spirit. Chapter 15, you are loved and appointed. And he talks, he uses the, the synthesis. I, I think he was probably just walking. Maybe they'd finished eating. They're walking towards Gethsemane. And Jesus just grabbed a, a leaf off the vine. Maybe he twisted it in his fingers. And he paused to make a statement. And he said, you are in me like grapes are on a vine. What he was trying to say is that our relationship is so intimate that I might be away, but I am in you and you are in me. And what flows from my father, which is the love of my father, is going to flow through you. So just, let's just imagine for a moment that we go to, to a vineyard and uh, what do we see? Grapes on the ground, rolling around, trying to find their way to a vine and attach themselves. That's what we teach, kind of. You know, make sure that whatever you're doing, you, you stay in the vine. And Jesus is saying, I am the vine. You are part of me. You are a natural flow. We're going to talk a little bit about identity in the coming verses. In verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Do you see that the synthesis and the theme is that heart I take heart. In order to take heart, we have to understand the heart of our Savior. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. We in Bible Church, 93 years, there's a lot of fruit. You may not see it on any given day that you're struggling in what you're doing and wondering about the future, but your faithfulness is producing lasting fruit. 
fruit because of your love for Jesus. Chapter 16, you will be hated and persecuted because of me. Um, verse 16 reads of chapter 16, all this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think that they're offering a service to God. They will do such things, and this is the key, this is where everything shifts. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. Who is the Father? <laughs> the author of love. The author of all goodness. With all the issues that are happening in the world today, it's not the number of Bibles, the number of students, or the number of programs, or the number of short-termers that go out, or the number of missionaries, it's not that. It looks like from this text that the major problem of a world falling apart at the hems is that they do not know the Father. See, that puts us all on the same playing field. I'm telling you guys, please, there are no heroes. They're just lovers of Jesus. And as much as we're walking this life together, we have one goal and one purpose. And we can overcome the world with this one goal. And that is to help people understand how much the Father loves them. You don't have to be, you don't have to be like majorly educated or be, you know, missionary or, or be Pastor Hannibal or, or Kyle or Bill or this beautiful music group, you don't have to have like a place in spiritual ministry as we quote spiritual ministry. We just have one command that we love one another and that as we understand the nature of God's love for us, look in the mirror and just take account that you are loved and that, the, that, that everything you are is in Christ. And when you come to the realization of how loved you are, then, then anyone that you come across, it, it, it's, your, it's your purpose to try to just put your armor on them and just help them understand that the Father loves them just as they are. And in chapter 17, remain in, re, he prays for the disciples that they will know the love of the Father that they're to remain in the world, but also to remain in the love of the Father. Righteous Father, uh, though the world does not know you, I know you, they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Like that's too much for me to get my head around. The creator of the universe speaks, mountains are formed, seas are created. The universe is held together by his word. And Jesus is saying that they have known me in order, um, and that they will continue to make, I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Okay, this is, this is a choice uh, for us, in me or in the world. If we're in me, I mean in Christ, uh, what does that mean? That means that you come as you are, and all the gifts that you have, all the resources that you have, all the friends that you have, all, everything that you have, Christ is in. That's your identity. Now, 
when I was just, man, I was so blessed even being here and seeing the, the, the group that's working so hard to serve all of you. They're just wonderful people. And they are, they served, even Phil who put the mic on, just felt this is Jesus ministering. Uh, you're in the Sunday school classroom. Your words, don't say they're just your words, you're doing the best you can to please, no, it's Jesus' love through you. Uh, you're driving a bus, it's Christ in the bus. You're at work, Christ just entered the workplace. You, you have to accept this reality. That's what Jesus wants each of you to understand that, that everywhere you go, Jesus is entering that space. And the gifts that you have are Christ's gifts that are just being worked out. And they're means of just showing people love and kindness. So it's a choice in me or in the world. I love the Greek. Tafta, lelika, emin, ina enemi, irini echete, enton cosmos lipsi echete. In me, and then if we look at the direct translation, um, in me, peace you have, in the world, trouble you have. It's kind of an interesting um, grammatical structure in the Greek that caused me to realize that it's, we basically have two choices. One, we're going to understand our identity and get over our crisis of belief and accept the fact that we are in Christ or we're in the world. Now, Jesus is praying for us to be in the world, but not of the world. That's the identity issue. Um, it's really interesting how the nature of our Father, His love empowers us. The, the nature of the world, the prince of darkness, what does He do? Steals and destroys. So, if, you, if your identity is not in Christ and it's of the world, the world has a way of sucking you in, just extracting everything from you. <clears throat> so it, the, the world will steal your time, it will steal your money, it will steal your families, it will steal your dreams, it will steal your visions. And Jesus says, seek ye first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things that the world seeks after, I'll give them to you. Isn't it beautiful? But it all starts with the choice of our identity in me or in the world. Um, it's also there's a consequence, peace or trouble. In Christ, peace. In the world, trouble. There's a lot we could say about peace in the, in, in the world today. Um, but in, he's, Jesus starts his ministry um, with the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. And what does he say? That's how he starts. He says, why are you worrying? Don't worry. I'm your father. Um, story of Muhammad, just very briefly, who landed uh, as a, um, a Palestinian Arab living in Iraq, in Aleppo. His, he, went to, he was going to university at the age of 25. An ISIS missile lands in the university, explodes, kills 300 people. He runs for his life with a friend of his, goes to Russia, uh, crosses the border into Finland at, uh, and lands himself in jail. And while in jail and in, into interrogation that lasted over a year, someone like one of you in this community here reached out to him and began helping him with legal counsel and helping him with whatever, including the Gospel of Matthew. As he began reading Jesus' love, 
on the Sermon on the Mount, he began taking notes and comparing it to the Quran. The time came for him to put his hand on the Quran and swear before his final court case a year later. And uh, to the judge's dismay, he refused. And when the judge asked him why, he said, I no longer believe in the Quran. And he goes, why? He goes, because I changed. He put his faith in the Prince of Peace. Just before I left for this trip, um, Mohammed returned from Aleppo after being away for 10 years. And he went back and realized how devastated his country was. Went to, the, to three bakeries in the area and ordered 35,000 loaves of bread. Went to the school, put on a party. Went to the fire department and blessed all the people that have fought during the war to keep things safe. Went to homes where children were left without parents and threw birthday parties. After two weeks, he had spent all the money he could get a hold of. And he came back and he's asking, how can we go as a humanitarian organization to help build, rebuild in Syria? There's so much trouble, we don't have time to focus on it, but Jesus has come and he's wanted to uh, promise us a courageous heart. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Again, if we go to the Greek, we look at the word tharsite, uh, and it has a whole lot more meaning than just take heart. Tharsite means to give joy. Jesus was telling his disciples that he's leaving, but he ends with encouraging them with much joy. Blind Bartimaeus was standing on the side of the road and he was just crying out. He was in need of hope. I wonder if he was somewhat like us, blind and not able to see. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 47, it, it reads, and Jesus stood still, kind of like telling the ocean to stand still. And he commanded him to be called. And they call the blind man, saying unto him, and they use the same word, only here in English it's translated, be of good comfort. Rise. Isn't that beautiful? Rise, he calleth thee. Where are you at today? Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe your hearts are heavy and burdened. Maybe you're feeling like you're walking through the room and it's a bit dark. It's okay. It's okay. But you know what? Jesus wants you to rejoice. He wants to call you up. He wants to call you forward. And he wants to say, be of good comfort. <laughs> be of good comfort. Ego, nenikika ton cosmo. I have had victory, not just overcome. I have had victory. And Bartimaeus' eyes were healed, and ours can be healed as well. To Joshua, he said, Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Same word. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. How are we going to overcome the world? By understanding that the Father loves us. And by loving one another. And then by loving anything that comes in our way. 
We are the expressed love of the Father to the nations. Hmm? I'm just going to close with one verse and one example here. Is it okay, Pastor Hannibal? You know, I'm doing really good. I've heard you take much longer than, than this sometimes. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> Arezu came to us from Iran. She came to the island of Lesbos. 2015 with the Syrian crisis, our little organization, we just, we just went. I think the way we show love, very practically, is just show up. There's a need, show up. There's a need in your neighborhood, show up. There's a need at work, show up. There's a need anywhere, don't just, don't just drive by. So we just went to Lesbos. We just knew there was a lot of refugees. Over a million refugees came through our little tiny island of 50,000 people in, in the course of a year. And Arezu was one of them. And Arezu fled Iran because her sister was given in marriage to a guy that ended up killing her. And threat to her lover, she fled with her two little children. Her family and she was threatened. She landed on Lesbos, and there among their own people, she was raped multiple times. She ended up coming to Athens and landed in our, some of our ministries for women. And eventually, we realized that Arezu needed hope. And being, just being the body of Christ to her, we loved on Arezu. And Arezu, we taught her to sew. And today, Arezu is part of our social enterprise company. And she's making these high-quality gifts that you could buy in any shop downtown. <clears throat> There's a, a scrunchie that goes with it just for the matching apparel, okay? <laughs> now, any of you, ah, look, this is just one piece of a dozen items that our little Rain Lab company produces. If you want to buy Christmas gifts that have value, um, feel free to go online to rainlab.gr and you can order and we'll send it to you. Jesus says, in chapter 17, I'm coming to you now, Father, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Isn't that amazing? Jesus wants you to have the full measure of joy in you, no matter what you're going through. My prayer in verse 15 says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. You see the progression? The Father sends the Son. The Son leaves. The Holy Spirit is sent. And Jesus prays for us as we are all sent. No heroes just a persistent love of the Father through the ages that is going to continue to be manifest after 93 years and continuing through you, each of you, each of us, together. May the Lord bless you richly as you seek to continue to follow him and love him with all your heart, soul, and mind. Oh. Heavenly Father, I'm awed at your incredibly gentle 
and persistent love for us. Sometimes hard to get along with one another and you knew that our only grace, our only hope to make it was that if we took on your servant role and loved one another even as you loved, gave yourself for us. Thank you, Lord, for giving us courage through joy, strengthening us to fight the battles that you've called us, but ultimately, Lord Jesus, we just want to love well. And Lord, that love will tell us, take us to places to do things we never dreamed possible. Your love will take us to places that we never dreamed even existed. Your love will cause us to give everything away, and I'm not talking about just money, Lord, but, I, but our families, our children, Everything, Jesus, is consumed in your love, and we want that, and we desire it, and we ask that you would teach us and take, just make us whole. Help us to see our true identity. Even as Bartimaeus was healed, and he leaped for joy. Lord Jesus, you have won the victory. You have taken us, taken our blindness away. You have overcome death. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.